0: Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Andrew Naber. I am the director of student ministry here at Fellowship Asheville, and I am super excited to be with you guys here this Sunday morning. Now, we have a lot of scripture to go through. Uh, we're covering Ruth 1, 6 through 22 this morning, and so I'm gonna just dive right in, start with a quick summary of what we covered last week, and then uh, we'll get going. So Last week, we started the book of Ruth. We saw that there uh, was a famine in the land. And for Naomi and Elimelech and their two sons, that was bad. They didn't have any food. So they left the promised land and went to Moab. While they were there, actually before that, funny story, um, their two sons, Malon and Chilion, their names mean puny and brokenhearted. And I think that's funny, so I'm going to call them puny and brokenhearted uh, throughout this message. And I, I think not only is it funny, but it also represents just sort of how dire the situation with the famine was, because while they lived long enough to get named, they still weren't doing super well. So they're puny and brokenhearted. So they leave the promised land they go to Moab, and then Elimelech dies. And that's sort of where we pick up our story. So, puny and brokenhearted marry Moabite women. Those women are Orpah and Ruth. And then uh, 10 years after they had been in Moab, uh, puny and brokenhearted, die. And so now Naomi is left with just Orpa and Ruth and has there's no man, there's no one there really to, to care for her or keep them safe, and she is not happy about this. So let's go ahead and dive into Ruth chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. So, Naomi hears that there's food in Judah. So she goes. And I think it's interesting the way um, the Bible says this in verse seven, right? So it says... And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Because I'm assuming here, it seems like, because Naomi's plan is to um, sort of go past Orpah and Ruth's families, drop them off, and then she continues all the way to Judah. Because it sort of seems like it's on the way. And... uh, in the next bit of scripture, we see that, you know, she basically tells them, hey, I don't, I don't want you to come with me. So let's look at verse, uh, let's continue in the scripture. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and lifted, and they lifted up their voices and wept. So here we see Naomi is, is telling Ruth and Orpah to, to stay behind. Hey, don't, don't come with me. Don't it, it it's not worth it. You don't you don't want to go. And then she gives more reasons later on. But really, the question here is: why doesn't Naomi want Orpah and Ruth to come with her? I, I think there's a couple reasons we can see from what's happening here. Uh, number one, they are Moabite women. And now, Fred talked about last week how it wasn't, it was wrong for uh, Israelite women to marry Moabite men because of the rules of land transfer, but um, this is kind of a gray area, right? It, it's, is it a compromise to, for, a Mo, for a Israelite man to marry a Moabite woman? And, you know, like any gray area, I think there's going to be people on both sides of that issue. There will be those who think, no, that's totally wrong. Like, you shouldn't do that. And then sort of bring shame to them. It's like, how can you do that? You know what I mean? Of course, and then like Fred talked about last week, you know, uh, where he said, told the story of of the guy who um, heard Jesus say, well, don't, there heard the Bible say, don't get drunk on whiskey, or don't get drunk on wine. So he's like, so I can get drunk on whiskey, right? And, and so with, with compromise and with these things, we see both sides. And I think she's a little worried um, about herself and what people will think of her. I uh, also later on, we will see, um, well, in, in what she explains to them, uh, their future would look like if she came with her. So we're going to go ahead and look at that now in verse 10. And they said and they said to her, no, we will return to you with your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way. For I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and bear sons, Would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from remarrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me that for your sake, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. So here's what Naomi sees. Here's what uh, she explains to Orpah and to Ruth. She says, look, best case scenario, here's how you coming with me to Judah works out. By some miracle, God provides me a husband the moment I get there. And then again, by some other miracle, because I'm old now, uh, God provides me with twins and, you know, I'm pregnant. And then you get to wait 18 years for those twins to grow up so that you can marry them. Do you really want to wait that long? Is that really what you want? No, don't don't come with me. Stay stay behind. And I think this is interesting for a couple of reasons. We see here that honestly, I think Naomi has a pretty limited view of who God is and and, and the best case scenario that she can come up with for providing. For Orpah and for Ruth is through her being pregnant and then this rather elaborate, convoluted, complicated plan. And and truthfully, I don't think like, and we see later on in the story, by the way, that is not how God solves the issue. But how often do we sort of find ourselves in a similar mindset, right? Where we, we have a tendency to put God in a box, we tend to put limits on God, we tend to tell God exactly, at least I do, right? We tell God exactly how um, to solve our problems and how we want our prayers answered. Well, God is bigger than that. God is so much bigger, and he solves our problems so much in in such a better way, a lot of times, than we could even dare to hope for. God is, is so much bigger than the box and the limits here that we see Naomi put on him. And and I think it's, God is infinite in his power and his his sovereignty and is so, so good. And and I think that's something that that we can really uh, see and sort of latch onto in this story, right? Um, Now, I want to be careful here because does this mean God is going to like, richly bless you in this life and make all your, your dreams come true? No, that's not what I'm saying. God is good and he provides and, and he works all things out you know, for, the good, for his good and for the good of his people. That's, that's what I'm getting at here. Let's uh, continue in Ruth. In verse 14 it says this. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So, um, here we see that Orpah leaves and Ruth cleaves. Orpah is is, is like, all right, you're right. That that version of that story that you shared, that sounds terrible. I'm out. And then Ruth is like, no, no, that's not how this is going to go. And she talks, you know, we'll see a little bit later on. Uh, about her faith and, and, and how it stands to her. But, but here, um, I want to draw attention to the word uh, cl- when the ESV says clung to her. Uh, I think a few other translations say like unite or different things. And the word, uh, the Hebrew word that's used there is actually the same as in Genesis 2.24, right? Where it says um, a man should leave his mother and father and go join, uh, become one flesh with his wife, that, that leaving of one family and joining the other, right, the, the, the leaving and cleaving, that is the image that uh, we see here, where it where is this, no, I'm with you now. And so that's what the narration tells us here, and then we see how Ruth explains that uh, as well. In um, verse 15 says this. And she, Naomi said, "See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law." Uh, Naomi here is like, "See, your sister listens to me. <laughs> why won't you?" It, it's this kind of, "Why, why don't you get it, Ruth?" And um, I, I want to be, I want to look at something right here in verse fifteen where Naomi says. She's gone back to her people and to her gods. And I think this is interesting because we see Naomi is actively pushing people away from the Lord. And whether it's intentional or whether that's what she wants to do or not, that is what uh, is happening here. And so that... That is, is such an important thing to, to think about and, and remember because this is, this is terrifying for me. Like the last thing I want to do is, is push people away with my thoughts or, or my actions or my social media posts. Um, there's a quote I heard from Brennan Manning who wrote The Ragamuffin Gospel, which is a great book about um, just grace and, and about the character of God. And um, he didn't say this in that book, but uh, it's a great quote from him where he says this, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips but walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And um, I first heard that uh, on a DC Talk song and it, it was this thought of, oh my goodness, like how we live Matters how other people see or what other people see when they see us matters because are they seeing Christ or are they seeing something else and, and it's funny because that song was what if I stumble right the the the, the thought is um, what if I screw up does that suddenly mean that that I'm gonna be responsible for turning people away and I, I don't that's not the heart of what I'm saying I'm saying we should be Be careful and and pursue Christ. But God is still God. He is good and He is above all and in all and through all. And if we screw up, that doesn't somehow completely change His plan for the entire world. Like, God is good and He is in control. But when people look at us, when people see us, they should see the gospel. And not, you know, not other things, not um, our other beliefs. Anything that we say that gets in the way or turns people away from God, uh, or, or I, want, I want to be careful and, and, and clear with that. But um, my point is our witness matters. Our witness matters. Let's continue. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do to me do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she she said no more. So this is it. This. This section right here, I think, is, is the most important part. It's the most famous part of the book, I think, where we see um, Ruth say, no, I'm with you. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Where you die, I will die. And where you are buried, I will be buried. And, and this was something that was especially important in those uh, ancient cultures, right? Because a lot of times with this, we see that someone's God is only... The idea was that their their gods, like Chemosh, were only in charge of Moab. Like that was they had they were geographically limited to where their worshippers lived, and you know I, I, when I read that and looked at that, I was like, oh, that's so funny. The idea that you know somehow my identity or or what I am proud about would somehow be tied to where I'm from and not God. How quaint. And then I remembered I, have a, I literally right now have a Philadelphia Eagles jersey hanging in my living room, <laughs> right? Like, like this idea that, oh, maybe, maybe this isn't such a, an ancient thing. We still have to worry about um, this idea of identity in things other than Jesus. Uh, our identity is not tied to the land. Our identity is tied to the Lord, and y'all, for, for me, like, I, I'm from Delaware, so about nine hours north of here, and I'm weirdly, like, proud of that fact. Like, I, I'm aware that for most people I meet down here, I think the first person, I'm I, sorry, I think I'm the first person that they're meeting who's actually from Delaware. Like, no one, I think there's even, like, an internet conspiracy theory that Delaware doesn't exist. It does. I'm from there. Um, but But just... I don't know, I, won't, I feel like I should tell people that I'm from the first state to sign the Constitution and also the home of tax-free shopping. Like, to me, that's, that's important. It's also funny um, thinking, and, and, and people are like, oh, if you're from Delaware, why are you an Eagles fan? And I'm like, I grew up 38 minutes from where they play. Like, how, how far away do you live from where the Panthers play? That's all I'm saying, you know? And, and so, at the same time, like, that's what my identity, I think, is partly in, or was in, and I, I know, I'm, I'm imperfect, I'm still working at this, I'm still growing, but um, our identity is tied to the Lord. Like, God made us. God is the one who's in control. God is the one who we identify with. Again, right, if people look at us and they see things other than God and other than Christ, like, is, is that what our identity's in? And so this is, this is such a big thing. Um, and think about it this way, right? Because Jesus says uh, something along these lines that makes me think of this as well. In Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16, he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that we may see, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are called to live our lives in such a way that when people see us, they see Christ. That um, Not that they will praise us and give us glory, but rather that they would give glory to the heavenly Father. And that's important. Let's continue looking at this in uh, verse 19. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? When the lord has testified against me and the almighty has brought calamity upon me so the whole town stirred because of them and i think that part of this right was a little bit of what naomi was worried about when she didn't want orpah and ruth with her she didn't want to to cause a scene i think i mean there's. That's my interpretation and what I've read in different commentaries, I think, say that, as well as, you know, the providing for and, and, and other different things. But I want to focus a bit on Naomi's bitterness here. Like, she is not happy about this situation, and she is not happy to see these people. By the way, her name, uh, Naomi, means pleasant. And uh, she doesn't like being called pleasant when she's clearly not. Uh, she feels like she hasn't been treated pleasantly. She kind of feels like God has done her wrong here, so she wants to be called bitter. And Mara literally means bitter in Hebrew. So Mara means bitter, and I think it's uh, looking at this, you can draw different parallels to how Naomi is responding to her situation and, and treating God versus how Job in the book of Job, responded to his situation and how um, things looked then. Because they both had disastrous, calamitous things happen to them. And yet, Job's response was one of endurance, one of trusting in God and who he was, versus Naomi here, who wants to be called bitter. Like, there is a difference there. And I think The other very clear difference we see in this story is the difference of Ruth's faith and Naomi's faith. Because Ruth had a genuine conversion. When when she says, I will go where you go. I will live where you live. Your God will be my God. Like, it it was a complete turn and trusting in who uh, God is and how he provides for his people. And I really think this, this is the only time we see this in the Old Testament, something this dramatic where someone who is not an Israelite, who is not of the people of God, essentially throws away her old identity and becomes, uh, in every way, a Israelite. She, she becomes just like Naomi and, and the other people there. Because You know, with Naomi's response, Naomi's bitterness, Naomi's pushing people away, at some point, someone in Ruth's life, maybe it was Naomi, maybe it was a maybe it was puny or brokenhearted, had faith that inspired Ruth. And and we see that here in, in this story as well. Someone who was not of that culture, in a very real way, converted to that. And, and with faith here, because that is what we're talking about with, with Naomi and Ruth, I think one of the biggest things uh, of faith is, is hope, right? Faith is hope in things unseen. And I think in that bitterness, we see in Naomi, we, we are seeing really a lack of hope. Like even in, in the way she described, you really want to come with me when there's no hope, there's nothing good that will come if you join me in Bethlehem. I think that that hopelessness we, we see is, is a bit of, she's, she's pretty down on her faith, and she's kind of, you know, not, not feeling too great. But that isn't, um, I, I don't want this whole, lesson, this whole sermon to be, oh, look how terrible Naomi is, and look how great Ruth is. Uh, I think it, it's important that these are both people who love God. Verse 19 says this, So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. Right? now, I did cover that. Sorry, guys. So Naomi continued. And Ruth the Moab, out here daughter-in-law, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So this this is the conclusion of Ruth chapter one. This is where we see the end of you know what we're talking about today. So um, the question I want to leave you guys with is how is your alignment right? We are because we see that Ruth um, takes a pause and she aligns with God, and I think that's that's such. Um, an important thing to, to stop and, and think about and do and it's definitely something, you know, where I need to, to check and, and work on myself with my own on things and, and I know um, one of the many things I've had to work on in myself is my own impulsiveness, my own desire to just immediately jump in and, and speak and, and, and do different things and, and my fear is always, oh will that be taken the wrong way? Did I push someone away? Did I do something wrong? And, and will that cause harm? And um, the one verse, one verse that has been super helpful for me and to me um, is James uh, 1.19, which says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Because I think this is really good practical advice from James where we see, how do we become more like Christ? How do we be better? How do we draw near to Christ? How do we best, um, when we understand who we are and who God is and our relationship to him, that we are small and, and, and sinful, and him by his amazing, incredible grace sent Jesus to die on the cross to save us from our sin when we understand how great god is how sinful we are we see the gospel and and this is such great this is our response to the gospel it is okay it's sanctification is kind of what i'm talking about here right the process of becoming more like christ more holy more set apart and and this is really um something that i i've definitely worked on and and done uh, a lot and I still have a long way to go is being quick to hear quick to listen slow to speak slow to anger not just immediately jumping to reaction to whatever I hear that immediately makes me angry and makes me want to you know jump that's not what James says here and that's not who we're called that's not what we're called to do so it takes humility. It takes a lot, and it's not easy, but it is good. And y'all, God is, is so, so good, and he cares for us, and he loves us. And that's, that's really where I want to leave it today. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being who you are and for loving us. And um, I just pray that uh, everything that we do would give you glory and and reflect that to you, that it wouldn't be me or us, but it would be you, Lord, um, who who gets the praise um, for everything that we do. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.